Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to do a bit of an unusual episode of Virtual Legality. I know I say that a lot, but for the most part, we aren't going to talk about representations or warranties or terms of service, terms of use, what Twitch is doing or not doing with the DMCA or anything else. Nope. This was console launch weekend. I know the consoles technically launched last week, but for anybody that's out there in the world working on a regular basis, it wasn't until this weekend that we really got to dive into how these consoles operated. And while there are good things to say, and I'll give some of my impressions briefly about both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, there is a lot to be concerned about, really more on the PlayStation side, but additional concerns on the Xbox side as well. So I want to talk with you about them, sharing my experiences, my impressions of these consoles, uh, because I've had a lot of these issues myself. So hat tip first to Samuel Tolbert at Twitter, who says, so I don't think rest mode works well on PS5 right now, to which I responded that I was having my own issues, which I'm going to talk to you all about in this video. But before I do, I want to say that I've had a great deal of enjoyment from both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X over the course of the past few days. Astro, Astro's Playroom, Astro Bot, if you're familiar with his virtual reality adventures in Rescue Mission, continues to be an absolute joy. This was the pack-in game that came with the PlayStation 5. It's a very brief platformer, but it was for the right price of free. And in this game, they do a lot of celebrating the history of PlayStation. And for someone that has been playing the PlayStation products really since the first one was released here in the United States in 1995, it was quite the trip down memory lane. And I would expect future consoles, to the extent that they exist in future generations and aren't just kind of roll-ups like Microsoft intends to do with their consoles, to have things like this packed in, where you wind up feeling really good about the product. This was there before you could download anything. It has references to all of Sony's PlayStation history, a bunch of different games, not just from Sony, but also from third parties that you can remember and relate to. And it's just a wonderful family experience if you have young children like I do. It was a great way to start things off. On the PlayStation 5 side of things, Miles Morales is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a good offshoot of the Spider-Man brand that is designed to show off all of these elaborate lighting effects, all of this ray tracing and reflectivity, and really does act as a good showpiece for your PlayStation 5, but maybe not as good of a showpiece. Your mileage may vary as a game that I actually very much enjoy that I know a lot of people online have not been saying that they are enjoying quite as much, which is Godfall which despite how it might look from outward appearances, despite its kind of early 3D graphics card tech imagery or perhaps infinite blade uh, from the epic game side of things for mobile, it is a tremendously thoughtful, well put together action. They call it an RPG. It's really more of an action game with loot, but I have really been enjoying it. I know my brother has been enjoying it, but with one big caveat, which we'll talk about in just a second. On the Xbox side of things, I love Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It does what it says on the tin. If you have been on this channel for a long time, if you've been following virtual legality for a while, you know that Assassin's Creed Odyssey was our game of the year in 2018. I love the RPGification of the brand, although I am empathetic to those who preferred Assassin's Creed original recipe. I hope they bring that back in some respects. I have barely even scratched the surface of Valhalla at this point, but it certainly does appear to be 
an extension of the Origins Odyssey framework and one that I have enjoyed. The big surprise for me on the Xbox Series X was actually Sea of Thieves. This has been optimized for the Series X. It is now 60 frames per second. Really nice HDR implementation. And me and my daughters love playing Sea of Thieves, getting in there, hunting for treasure, fighting skeleton zombie pirates. And it looks incredible. It looks gorgeous. I think enough blood or ink has been spilled talking about how Xbox really lacks a launch title when they lost Halo Infinite off the launch. It does wind up feeling like another Xbox. And that is really because the controller is almost identical. The dashboard, which was updated on the Xbox One side, is the same dashboard as the Series X. You don't get any of that pop. You don't get any of that excitement from, hey, I just bought this $500 console. And yes, Valhalla is running at 60 frames per second, and it's doing all these good things. And I like the Series X. It doesn't give you that pop that the PlayStation 5 does with its brand new interface and admittedly very, very exciting controller. And I was one of those that kind of scoffed at this when PlayStation 5 announced it, when people were coming back and saying, hey, this controller is really something special. It really does appear to be something special. It's quite interesting to interact with it. It's especially interesting for me to interact with what I think they're calling the adaptive triggers, where effectively when you pull down the trigger, depending on what you're doing in a video game, it will just have a fake back that will allow you to kind of hit early on the back of the trigger and maybe go past it, depending on what you're doing in the game, or maybe just stop there to indicate that you only need a lighter press. Uh, Miles Morales and the Spider-Man remaster use only about half of the space that the trigger has in order for you to shoot out your webs and, and swing around New York City, and that's very, very interesting. I do fear that I will ultimately break it if I'm not expecting it to stop me early and I'm going for a hard push of the trigger. We will see in that regard but it really does feel new and interesting in a way that the Xbox doesn't, but the Xbox is doing exactly what they said they would do, which is this is a stronger Xbox and we are trying to make the transition as smooth as possible. And that Game Pass, when you go in there, I was talking to somebody else who got an Xbox really for the first time and just said, hey, I've got all these games I can try out. This is quite something. And it really is. If you haven't been following these generations, if you weren't a part of the Xbox One side of things, if you have never had Game Pass, Xbox has a very good entry point for you, and I think that's enjoyable, even if it doesn't have the flash and flair of the PlayStation 5. Now, with those impressions out of the way, hopefully that was educational and informational. If you'd like more impressions, I might do impressions videos in the future. Please leave a comment to this video letting me know what you'd like me to talk about, what you're interested in in terms of my thoughts on what is actually on these systems at launch and into the near future. But for now, what I wanted to talk about was back on this tweet. Rest mode doesn't work very well. And in my experience with the PlayStation 5, which I have told you I have enjoyed, I have had a dickens of a time trying to deal with all sorts of technical issues. Now, that isn't that unusual for early adoption, right? Now, I am not making this video to say Sony has screwed up. This thing is going to be doomed forever. I think most of the things we're about to talk about can be fixed with software updates, firmware updates, whatever those things might look like. We are not, I don't believe, looking at a red ring of death, 360s have to be returned six times kind of situation, but it was a little bit off-putting. When you go in and you go and you look at what the Sony PlayStation 5 did over the weekend for me, just one person, it really did create problems, did create issues for me. Now, so my girls are old enough now to have their own accounts. And so I wanted to create a child account, account that was controlled by the family account for the PlayStation, really at the start of putting the whole thing together. And the very first interaction that I had with this thing 
was that I went to go create a child account. The child account was created, and the moment it was created, I received a message that it was permanently banned for violation of the terms of service, which I said, hmm, that doesn't seem like a good thing. That doesn't seem likely, considering that it hasn't existed before. We've never used this email before. I wonder what they are even talking about. So I actually wound up, in the day that I was setting up my PlayStation 5, talking to Sony customer service on not one, but two separate communications because there were issues with the first one. And they told me there was nothing that they could do for a couple of days. They would go and seek a specialist's help. And when I asked them exactly what the problem was, I was told that it was an automated security ban on all accounts being created due to the volume of accounts being created in light of the PlayStation 5 launch, which, hey, I understand technological issues. I told them, hey, just lift it, lift the ban off that email and I will make an account weeks from now because it's not that important to me right this second. But hearing that message, it was an immediate red flag for me saying, "Uh uh-oh, if they have this immediate technical ban on folks just for a volume of accounts being created, I wonder how many people are going to run into this problem. If you ran into this problem setting up your own PlayStation 5 or maybe just trying to set up an account anywhere in the PlayStation or Sony ecosystem, let me know in a comment to this video. I am interested in seeing exactly how many people ran into this issue. The bigger issue has been for me dealing with this rest kind of concept, right? You go back to this tweet, and this is in a number of places. This is across my timeline. We're going to look at some other articles that talk about this being an issue really across PlayStation 5s. But in terms of waking up from rest, the state where your PlayStation is still on, it's still downloading, it can still power your controllers, and coming back to a state that is workable, that actually allows you to play on your PlayStation, has been touch and go all weekend. You see here, I've put in a couple of bullets, but the first one that was really unusual is that there was no video on Wake. You click the button and your TV just says, hey, I'm not getting anything from this HDMI port, which seemed really, really odd. I reset the PlayStation, still no video. I wound up taking out the HDMI cord, putting it back in and turning the TV off and on, and then it was fine. But that seems like an odd reaction to have from a wake of restfulness for your console when it has otherwise been working entirely properly. This fourth bullet is actually similar to that where I woke it from rest and it required a reconfiguration of the video and audio settings. I use a receiver for my audio. That all needed to be reconfigured. So I wound up taking notes in case it happened again to make sure I understood exactly what the configuration settings were that I had for the PlayStation 5. I had to go through the HDR implementation. I had to go through all the video settings, all the audio settings again, and the PlayStation 5 had never been fully off. This is just an issue with wakefulness. Although there are other issues as well. When I went to load a game, it was actually Days Gone, which if you haven't played it, continues to be one of my favorite games from last year. And now that they have put out a PS5 optimized version in 4K with 60 frames per second, it almost feels like a remaster. I could not recommend this game more. Play Days Gone. It is much, much better than the initial reactions to it actually were. But I went to load this game. I had already been playing it. It had subtitles. It was working properly. I loaded it up and there was no sound on it at all. And there were no subtitles on it at all. It was just an oddball load. And I didn't understand what had happened. I tried to eject back out to the home screen. That didn't work. And ultimately what wound up happening when I went to close the application to try to restart it was that it didn't operate at all. It actually wound up hard crashing the PlayStation 5 as it tried to close Days Gone, which you see here in this last bullet point. 
I can also relay to you other issues that I have heard from my brother, from others who have a PlayStation 5. They have had two hard crashes, I think both out of Godfall and one soft crash, maybe out of Godfall, maybe out of something else. This has been something that has been going on this weekend. And of course, if you've got a new console, if you're worried about it, quote unquote, bricking, not being anything that is useful to you at all, these are the kinds of things that give you heart palpitations. Because not only did you spend $500 on it, even if it broke, which happens in the world, they have a certain percentage that just aren't going to work when they sell them to you. It's very difficult to replace right now, right? Which is one of the things that we will be talking about towards the end of this video. Now, I am just one person. You can take this with exactly the grains of salt that it requires to be taken with. I have enjoyed my PlayStation 5. I think they have good products on there. I wasn't even able to mention uh, Little Big Planet, uh, Sackboy's Big Adventure, which we've been enjoying. We've been enjoying Bug Snacks and other things on the PlayStation 5. It is a good console, but it is clearly what I usually think of as coming in hot. There are bugs in there that I would not have expected in the first weekend of actual commercial release. And those bugs have been affecting a lot of folks. I've pulled up an article from Tom's Guide now that says major PS5 issues reported by users, what to do. Here's how to avoid some of the PS5's biggest early problems. And as we go through this list, just take a note of exactly how much they are saying not to use on this new console, right? First, they say, do not use the USB or LAN during initial setup. And I actually didn't put this on my card but while I was trying to transfer the data from my PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 5 with a LAN setup, with just an Ethernet cord connected between the two devices, it told me it moved everything. And when I went to start the PlayStation 5, none of the games that it had said that it had moved from the PlayStation 4 actually made the move over to the new device. There is clearly something wrong at a system or network level on the PlayStation 5 right now, I have every faith that it will be corrected in a firmware or other update from Sony, but it really does start to add up when you think about how many weird interactions you have with your PlayStation 5. Don't unplug it during transfer, which just makes sense. Do not use an external hard drive. Users are reporting issues when transferring data between the external hard drive and the PlayStation 5. As we talked about, do not use rest mode. Jeff Gerstmann over at Giant Bomb put out a tweet that said, seems like putting a PlayStation 5 into rest mode while Spider-Man Remastered is running crashes the whole system, forcing that repair your external drive process when you start back up. The one that gives you heart palpitations if you love these systems and don't want to see those blue screens of death. At least that's how it's been for me the few times I've done that today. So it's a repeating issue that Jeff is reporting from Giant Bomb. I haven't had that issue with Spider-Man Miles Morales, but I don't think that I had it running and it was put into rest mode while that particular game was running. Don't use LAN, don't use the ethernet port, stick with Wi-Fi. Use the HDMI cable included with your PlayStation 5. My brother actually had this issue. He tried to use the PlayStation 5 with an HDMI cable that he had lying around that was longer, that was better fit for his TV. I had to tell him to use the one in the box because HDMI 2.1 and all this stuff. And that's not Sony's fault necessarily, but you would hope that there would be some kind of warning card that says, hey, I'm just not able to use this HDMI cord. And because HDMIs don't really tell you what version they are, it becomes a problem, not just for those of us that are technologically inclined, but I would imagine for those that don't know that there's any difference between HDMI cables at all. This is the kind of thing that Sony should be messaging on. Make sure to update your controller, which was actually mandatory for me. Turn off TV functions that turn your devices on and off. Use your hot stoner chick 
and what a source that is, explained her experience in dealing with this feature on her LG television. It seemed to be confusing the system and causing issues. I did have a couple of weird interactions between my TV and the console in terms of turning things off and and volume up or down on the receiver. I, I don't know whether that's a Sony issue or not. It's so easy to screw those things up when you are interacting with multiple components and everybody's system is different as those components work together. Not willing to chalk that one up to Sony just yet, But it is clear that Sony is having issues with respect to the wakefulness, the rest state on the PlayStation 5, and also other issues, networking issues, transferring of data from the PlayStation 4, just loading up apps that don't have sound. And if these things scare you, then I would say this is the cost of early adoption. Don't adopt this console early. Don't buy this early because these things will get worked out. If these things don't bother you and you want to see some ray-traced Spider-Man, I think these things will get fixed in due time, but it certainly isn't the launch that I would have liked to have seen from the PlayStation 5 console. Now, to be entirely fair, there are issues on the Xbox side as well. My biggest issue on the Xbox side is Quick Resume appears to be a complete crapshoot. If you aren't familiar with Quick Resume, it is this concept that says, hey, when you turn on a game, the Xbox will have saved its state, will have kept it on, whatever it is, whatever secret sauce it is doing, behind the scenes, you can just turn off your game. And when you want to play that game again, it'll say quick resume in the corner. And within a couple of seconds, you will be popped in exactly where you left off without having to go through all the front end splash screens. And it was really nice when it was working. I was popping in and out of Assassin's Creed Valhalla and other games that I was downloading on the Xbox and checking out to see if they worked with the uh, Series X or not. But ultimately, once that period stopped. Once the first day or so that I was fooling around with the Xbox Series X ended, Quick Resume didn't work anymore with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It didn't work with a number of the games that I tried to pop into. And ultimately, for me, the biggest value of Quick Resume is not having to think about it. I wound up losing uh, a fair amount of uh, content in terms of Assassin's Creed Valhalla progression because I had just gotten used to not saving, not really thinking about it. I'll just pop back in and it will Quick Resume. And then when that just suddenly stopped... I had to remember, okay, you got to manually save every time, and I will just remember to do that in the future, but Quick Resume will effectively be a nice cherry on top of the Sunday at effectively random intervals, because if you can't trust it, a lot of the value of Quick Resume is lost. Another issue that I've had with the Series X, and again, these aren't the same kind of hard crash, soft crash issues that I was having with the PlayStation 5, is that in a number of games, it loaded in with what I will call kind of a gray filter over it. I was having this issue particularly with Sea of Thieves and Watch Dogs Legion, and I would load into these games and they would have this gray filter and it didn't look right, but I didn't know whether it was a configuration issue either with the box or the television, and so I would wind up going back to the home screen of the Xbox and then popping back into the game and it would be corrected, but it is annoying to have to do that once, twice, three times to play the game that you want, and if you're not thinking about it, you can easily just kind of get lost at, oh, right, I have to fix up these graphics when I launch a game of, say, Sea of Thieves. Again, not the same kind of problems as the PlayStation, and certainly not with this third bullet point, which is that I woke up from leaving the Xbox to download a number of things to to make it match what I had on the Xbox One. And however it did this, the Xbox wound up downloading about half of every game rather than completing any given game and moving down the list. So even after giving it a full night of downloading, I didn't have any new applications, any new games. I had to actually get in there and fix everything up myself. Obviously not a problem. Most of the time won't be a problem if you aren't trying to download a number of things 
as it is at the launch of a console. But like the PlayStation 5, these things aren't perfect. This is one of the costs of early adoption. The other cost that I wanted to talk with you briefly about is, of course, the cost of the console itself. I've pulled up an article from the Escapist magazine from a column that they regularly do called Escape from the Law. And this person that writes this, Adam Adler, is a lawyer and he writes these articles in a kind of funny fashion. If you like virtual legality, you should probably check out this column on Escapist. He isn't doing as much business stuff. He's doing a lot of other stuff uh, that we don't necessarily cover in virtual legality. But this particular question I thought was fascinating, particularly in 2020. So if you don't have a PlayStation 5, if you don't have an Xbox right now, you've probably seen these things can be quote unquote scalped, usually what we would think of as price gouging, price gouged uh, products that are sold for way more than whatever the person bought them for. I buy it for $500 for a couple of months. It's going to have a supply constraint. And so I try to sell it on eBay or wherever for a thousand or more dollars. And you can go and you can check out this article. I will, of course, link it in the description, but that's exactly what he describes says, hey, eBay's talking to him. This is done as an article where these various services are talking to him. We have plenty of PlayStation 5s, but it'll cost you $1,000. Him, that's insane. That must be illegal. I'm a lawyer. I should know whether this is illegal. I'm going to look into this. Google is scalping illegal. Google says, no, a few states regulate ticket scalping, but there aren't any laws against reselling retail products at higher prices. That's not 100% accurate, as we're going to look at in just a second. Some states like California prohibit price hikes during a state of emergency, but even the most dramatic of us can't claim that the PlayStation 5 shortage qualifies as an emergency. I bet there is somebody on Twitter claiming that it's an emergency. But that notwithstanding, what I want to talk about is scalping. And I think this is the kind of thing where you go and you ask Google about scalping, you're only going to get those ticket laws when what you should really be looking at is gouging, the concept of price gouging, because that's how most of these legislatures are going to look at this issue. So if you go into Michigan law, which of course we are a Michigan law firm, we talk about Michigan law, whenever we're kind of trying to use sample laws to talk about these things, your jurisdiction may vary. But we've got under the Michigan Consumer Protection Act of 1976 that unfair, unconscionable, or deceptive methods, acts, or practices in the conduct of trade or commerce are unlawful and are defined as follows. And we go and we go down and we go down and we go down and we go down and we get to Z. Charging the consumer a price that is grossly in excess of the price at which similar property or services are sold. That is unlawful in the state of Michigan. Now, if you're reading that and you're saying, Rick, uh, what does that even mean? What is grossly in excess of? Who makes that decision? Well, it be the attorney general, uh, generally speaking. But you are absolutely right to point out that grossly isn't a terribly useful word in the law. We don't know when something is grossly in excess. Is similar property the same kind of thing. If you've got a PlayStation 5 out there that you own, is that similar to a PlayStation 5 out there in the world? I think that's probably a little easier question to answer, that these products are the same, but ultimately you aren't getting a ton of protection there. You aren't getting a lot of satisfaction for when too much money is being made by the seller, which brings us into the world of 2020. And we've got Executive Order 2020-53. I think we're on 200 some odd executive orders here in Michigan. Yes, If you follow my state at all, you know that we were just recently put on hardcore lockdown again yesterday night. I know a number of you reached out to me to ask me to do a video on Governor Whitmer and executive orders and the health department. And frankly, I'm just unlikely to do that. Suffice it to say, uh, I don't think executive orders are the way in which governance should be done, especially on important issues like you should stay locked in your house. But Obviously, reasonable minds can differ, and the governor thinks that she is doing the right thing, so 
uh, more power to her, which is exactly what she has taken for herself. Now, Executive Order 2020-53 says enhanced restrictions on price gouging. This is an executive order, so it doesn't necessarily have the full force of law, but certainly in pandemic world in 2020, most of the courts have been allowing these kinds of orders to be put into place. So if we look at what Governor Whitmer has done in this particular order, we see that to prevent such price gouging and help all Michiganders, that's what we call ourselves sometimes, we also use Michiganian in case you're interested, access necessary products during the COVID-19 pandemic. Remember, keep that in mind when we're thinking about PlayStation 5s. It is reasonable and necessary to temporarily imposed enhanced restrictions on the excessive pricing of goods, materials, emergency supplies, and consumer food items. Now, note the breadth of that in this executive order, right? This is set up to say, hey, look, we're in a pandemic. We want to make sure you can get toilet paper and hand sanitizer and food, but we didn't actually limit what our order does to that. It is reasonable and necessary to temporarily impose enhanced restrictions on the excessive pricing of goods. That is a blanket umbrella term. All goods, everything that you can buy and hold in your hands, that we want to put restrictions on that. Acting under the Michigan Constitution and Michigan law, which you'll note is not referenced here with any particular specificity, I order the following. A person must not resell a product in this state, the state of Michigan, at a price that is grossly in excess of the purchase price at which the person acquired the product. No reference to emergency products, no reference to toilet paper or hand sanitizer or foodstuffs or anything like that. Under this executive order from the office of Governor Gretchen Whitmer, this was designed to say a person must not resell any product at a price that is grossly in excess of the purchase price at which the person acquired the product. That is designed to give additional contours to Z here that doesn't necessarily talk about retail. It just talks about charging a consumer a price that is grossly in excess of the price at which it was uh, similar property or sold. This takes the actual kind of scalping or price gouging model that makes as its baseline the price at which the person acquired the product. Now, without getting too deep into the weeds on Michigan law, this particular executive order may or may not still be in effect because we had court cases that struck down Governor Whitmer's power to do certain emergency restrictions, but the health department in Michigan does other restrictions. In any event, the point is that in various states, in various locales, especially in 2020, it wouldn't surprise me if these kinds of rules are in place. So when you go and you ask the question, is the cost of the PlayStation 5 actually legal? For the most part, it is. In general, outside of 2020, it would be legal. And in this particular article, you see references to the kind of free market capitalistic state of affairs, what we call the freedom of contract here at Virtual Legality, which generally allows people to make their own decisions on what they buy and what they don't buy. There is nothing wrong, this article says, with buying a product and reselling it at a higher price for profit. In fact, that's how retail works. The GameStop didn't buy that PlayStation 5 that it is selling you for $500. It bought it for something less, a wholesale price that it then resells to you, the end user. And likewise, this article continues, there is nothing wrong with a reseller making a lot of profit on a sale. One of the best qualities of the free market system is that each consumer gets to decide if a product is worth the asking price. If it is, then both parties profit. In this sense, an unrestricted market is often the most fair system as it makes the limited supply of consoles available to the players who want it the most. Now, the who want it the most here, if you have any kind of background in economics, you understand to be kind of a proxy, 
right? It is really who can pay for it the most. And while you might like it and want a PlayStation 5 at a $64,000 level, if you don't have $64,000, you can't represent that you want it that much. And so you do have these constraints about cash and actual wealth distribution and all these kinds of things, but it's a good proxy. And I think this article is correct. So he says the problem here, and I think he identifies it correctly, is that there are these high prices coupled with the limited supply. And most importantly, what appears to be an arbitrary selection process from the platforms, the Amazons, the GameStops, the Best Buys of the world, for who gets consoles and who doesn't. And he proposes certain things, various laws, various potential requirements that an Amazon actually treat things as first come, first serves, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, in this article, and I will, of course, link this. I never like to take the complete context of an article and just put it out in my video. So please do check it out. Give it a click. I think it's a very interesting column. We don't need to rely on the law. And this is where we come out in virtual legality a lot, right? That the law can only do so much. And that what really needs to happen is there needs to be outward pressure on the Sonys of the world, the Amazons, the GameStops, to handle their launches better that nobody really benefits. Sony isn't making extra money from somebody selling a PlayStation 5 for $1,000 or $5,000. They only look bad in that particular context. These platform creators should be working on better solutions for this. The actual resellers should be working on better solutions because they're also not making that money. Amazon didn't make any money from selling six, six PlayStation 5s to some price gouger, and that person makes all the money. So yes, we need to continue to look at these issues. And I think all of this is very interesting. This is not new for launches. Even this kind of stuff that we've talked about in this space about problems with these consoles on day one isn't new for launches. But what we do see in the era of social media in 2020 is we see people talking to each other about these things. We see articles coming out. We see Jeff Gerstmann actually going out there and saying, hey, rest mode appears to crash things. We see Samuel Tolbert telling me, hey, I don't think rest mode works. We can talk about these issues in this space. And hopefully at the end of the day, I'm an eternal optimist, get better results from the Sonys and the Microsofts of the world to treat these like the serious problems that they are. And that includes the scalping question. So those are my very business and law oriented early impressions of both the PlayStation 5 and Xbox. I have, as I mentioned, thoroughly enjoyed these systems. I have enjoyed really every minute that I have spent with them, maybe except for the couple of hours I spent talking to Sony customer service about the locked account that had only been created that afternoon. But ultimately, I think these things are going to be fine, but I did want to put out a video that talked about my issues so that you would at least have in the back of your mind both the knowledge that these things exist and also if you're seeing these scalping prices and thinking, oh man, I have a fear of missing out. I really want to get a PlayStation 5, that at least there's something out there that says, hey, these things are going to be good eventually. They are good products, but they aren't maybe fully cooked on day one. This has been Virtual Legality for today. Hopefully you enjoyed this very interesting episode, a very unusual kind of take with impressions of a brand new console launch, really the first one since we started the channel here. If you like this, please like, subscribe, ring bells, tell people that we are having conversations about business and law and video games and pop culture in general. We love having these conversations with you. If you're new to this space, leave a comment, say hi. I do try to read as many of them as I possibly can. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. 
It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.